opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the content creators and should not be assumed to reflect product endorsements or the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Sports Roundtable. My name is Bob Ranko. This is episode 306, dated Monday, September 18th, 2023. And we have a special guest today, which I will introduce very shortly after I do my other intros. We start out by introducing the rest of our panel members, or I should say sports belunkers. Peter Elchel from Oregon. He moved, folks. So, Peter, welcome, welcome to Oregon and welcome to Sports Roundtable again. Thank you. Welcome from Coos Bay, Oregon, which is on the southwest uh, coast of Oregon. It's beautiful, windy and sunny and much better weather than Missouri. Thank you very much. Michael Garrett. Yes. <clears throat> Greetings, everybody, and welcome to a, a mild 95-degree Missouri City, Texas. Don Wardlow. And hi there from Jersey, where it was raining the last day and a half and finally quit. Well, we have it now, Don, up here in New England. It's poured. Mm. Luther King. Good afternoon from a 81 degrees Nashville, Tennessee. Okay. Before we introduce our guest, let me thank those people who make it possible for Sports Roundtable to be made available. We start out with Raymond Gay, our editor and producer. Thank you for what you do. Tom and Lynn from Rosie's Place chat line. Thank you for posting our shows up on reading door number 14. Our media sources. Thank you for airing us when you do. We very much appreciate that. And Jacqueline Sylvia, our website designer, thank you very much for what you do, archiving our shows on my website, which is www.brancoevents.com. Just go there, click on Sports Roundtable Podcasts, and you will see most of our archived programs from latest to earliest. Let's make it official, BD. Merci, Jackie. Si. And I also want to thank Desi at this time, Desi, for being our host for today's program. And, of course, Brad for streaming on ACB Media 5. Merci, Desi. Back for a second appearance because it was so successful the first time. We have with us from ESPN Radio, Mark Kestacher. Mark, welcome back. We're glad to have you again. Bob, good to be back. And like you, uh, here in central Connecticut, the animals are beginning to line up two by two. So we should. <laughs> the only thing is missing it. The only thing they're missing is an arch. I was going to say, where's Noah? <laughs> uh, he's not in Connecticut, but he's not far behind. I'm sure. <laughs> okay. Before I get into the other topics, I would be remiss, if that's the proper word, if Correct. I didn't mention one of the top sports stories of the year that took place last Thursday at approximately 12.30 my time, and I know some of you know what I'm going to say already. Yes. I'm Bloom was bye bye. fired from the bye. Boston Red Sox, and I'm sure a lot of people are applauding that decision. In all fairness, I know that not everybody is, and that's okay. I mean, Which there is a lot to me, discuss where Haim is concerned, but we'll just take it as far as we want to take it. It brings me to an interesting question. Well, an interesting question, plus a stat that I want to bring up in the NFL. But where do you think the Red Sox go from here? Because I know they have somebody right now in place. But <clears throat> I wonder if they might have to look outside of the organization 
change the direction again. Well, I'll tell you what I know, Luther, and then I'm going to defer to Mark to find out what he knows. From what I understand, Brian O'Halloran is assuming a leadership role with the organization at this moment. They are interested in bringing Mike Hazen back from the Arizona Diamondbacks. He was here once before, I think, when Ben Charrington and Theo Epstein were here. And Mike Hazen knows the Red Sox philosophy almost as good as any other candidate, if not better than any other candidate out there right now. The rumors about Alex Cora are false, from what I understand. He is not going to be promoted to president of baseball operations. He's not going to become a Brad Stevens, so to speak. If they were going to do that, who would they who would have who would they have hired if these rumors were true? Which we now know. My guess. For my manager. guess. My guess, Jason Veritek. Really? That's only my educated guess, though. Mark, do you have any thoughts on this? <clears throat> First of all, since I live uh, in the state where the dividing line between Yankees and Red Sox, I think I find it um, uh, somewhat humorous and funny that, you know, both the Yankees and Red Sox are, you know, going to one of them is going to finish in last place in the division. And uh, one now no longer has a GM and the other has a GM that has been on job for, uh, you know, since the Eisenhower administration. So uh, <laughs> I, I find that interesting, first of all. Second of all, um, I did hear the Hazen stuff. Um, same thing with Alex Cora saying that's not happening. You know, he's going to remain field manager. Uh, before I came to Connecticut, I worked uh, three years in Cleveland and that's always had strong front office, um, you know, for years and years, especially, you know, since the early 90s and that great mid 90s uh, team that they. Oh, put yeah. Together. Mike Hergrove, especially the manager. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's a long way to go, a long way to say, I don't know if Chris Antonetti, if they're looking outside, um, has done a really good job uh, with that franchise on a much smaller budget. And um, Mike Chernoff, who, uh, you know, from radio angles his dad of course you know mark is a legend in sports radio in new york city and mike has done a nice job i think he's still considered the general manager of cleveland so those are a couple of names out there you know you could probably throw um you know i don't know if john daniels remember with texas yeah and and now uh in an advisory role with tampa bay you know they're, they're gonna look under all the stones i don't you know i don't follow closely enough to know if there's a young uh, executive within the franchise, but you know, considering the high bar that the Red Sox hold, and certainly the low bar they've crossed the last couple of years, you know, you kind of get the sense they're going to go out to someone who's got experience and uh, put them in charge of uh, you know getting this thing back together. But that's just from a thirty-five thousand foot view. I, I, you probably have better sources than I have uh, in Boston. Do, do either either of you guys think that they're in a hurry to do it though? Because the rumors came out really fast. I wouldn't. I would probably say no because I think with the season coming to a close, knowing they're not going to make the playoffs, I think this is just from where I sit, all the way here in the state of Tennessee. But if you're in a hurry, unless you know exactly who you're going to get, I would think. I'd agree with Mark that they're going to look under every rock, every crevice, every surface, even if it's a young up and coming like GM type that may be on the inside or maybe in another organization that they might want to look into. So I don't think they will be in that big of a hurry. Now, I could be wrong, but I don't think that will happen. 
And Luther, it, it's all relative because yes, you know, what is a hurry? And exactly, you know, the season's going to be over um, in about two weeks. Yeah. And now, you know, everything's going to start moving. The winter meetings is where everything happens. So I'd say, yes, take your time, but also it's still a short time frame. And depending on who they want, I have to imagine uh, they've already reached out maybe, you know, through uh, sub channels, you know, back channel. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Um, but it's all yep. relative. Yes. Yep. You know, yeah, Mark, you mentioned, you you mentioned right. Cashman. You mentioned exactly. Cashman, Mark. I think the mm-hmm. difference here is that Cashman, though he has been the GM for the Yankees for a long, long time, maybe not as far back as you said, but I understand. I think since meant. like 2008, um, when the, the last one there was, you know, nine? Prior to that, I think. I think he's been there since the 90s. I think 1996, 95. But he has a track record of being – excellent in balancing prospects, making the right trade, signing free agents. The Yankees have only been bad recently. They haven't been bad the whole time that Cashman's been the GM. Well, true. But I think at some point... I I was going to say, Luther, I think it's only going to be what the potentially... Is it the second time with a losing record? You know, yeah, probably. second or third. It's it's a very small window, and they and they're right around five hundred now, so that might not even happen. But I think to your point, I I also it was kind of tongue in cheek because <laughs> I also think that um, his place with the family ownership is a lot deeper, you know, than obviously Chaim Bloom or or anyone else, you know, in the Red Sox organization, and whether that means you keep your job or not, when you look at the power structure of the Yankees, I mean, when's the last time somebody new came in? I mean, this is this is essentially George Steinbrenner's group, right? Aging and... Well, yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody's been new since Eric Boone got hired. When you the last, the- I think the last new guy that was hired was after Buck Showalter got fired in 95. Yeah, and I'm so talking, they've only had like what three yeah. managers in like the last 25 years. Tory, Tory, and then boom, Girardi and Girardi, Girardi. Yeah, yeah. So but, there's I, been but four. other than that, they're almost like but, the Pittsburgh Steelers and Green Bay Packers. But this team has been so horrific. They've got to make major changes. I mean, the one generational talent we had, you know, ruined his elbow, and God only knows if he's going to be kept around if he gets healthy again. Well, Don, let, let's let's play this game. You've got Anthony Volpe. You got that. You've got Volpe was a bust. He 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 all all that hype yeah, amounted to average. nothing. Well that yeah. But what what, what do you got pitching wise? I mean you, you got you gotta start there too. That's a major problem also. That's true. I hadn't even gotten around to that. I mean, let, let's go ahead. The, let's go ahead and get the elephant in the room out of the way. Between the injured pitchers, and then you have uh, Severino, who had had to become an inpatient at an alcohol rehab place. Yeah, lost. I thought lost that was a, Herman. Oh, you're right. Yeah, uh, well, Herman, it was to me. Sorry about Herman. that. Um, um, and Severino, I think, got injured at the end of the year. Yeah, he did. And, and Frankie made, Montas made, doesn't help much. The yeah, only guy you guys have anything right now all is year, probably Garrett Cole. That's well, Nesta like Cortez is hurt also. He's good yeah. when he's healthy. When he's healthy, he and that's the when key. Right. And and what are you, what are you going to do about closer? Because I don't think I don't know if Clay Holmes is the answer. I think Clay Holmes is better as a setup guy. I don't I don't think he's really a closer. Don, you know what they say? Judge not. Yeah, he he they signed him, and then look what a bad year he had. 
Well, he, I mean, he's coming on strong at the end of the year, but I think it's going to be too little too late, though. Yeah, exactly. To stop running through uh, outfield fences, that would help, too. That would help. Yeah, that yeah. would. <laughs> so, um, Mark, I wanted uh, to talk a little, a little bit about college football since that's what you're focused on these days. And there are lots of places, directions we could go. But um, one of the things I find interesting this year is this does not seem to be the year of the SEC, shall we say. A lot nope, of, uh, it's, it's not. Alabama seems to be a lot as strong. Uh, LSU lost L- to Florida State. LSU LSU put a whooping on Mississippi State on Saturday. But I, I'm, think, I'm, I'm thinking about I'm thinking about uh, L, uh, SEC schools against non SEC well, schools. I mean, usually let's see. SEC Tennessee schools. bad. Yeah, I mean they're got all, the only team right now that's consistent, even though they haven't played a schedule yet, is Georgia for the third year in a row. They struggled this weekend. <laughs> Yeah, but they but they they did what they normally do in the second half and just locked it up. They did. Uh, you know what the common theme and thread for me is, and we were in the SEC last weekend for that Florida Tennessee right. game. This yeah. past Saturday, past Saturday, so we had a lot of discussion on it. You know, we're watching Alabama struggle to score. We see you know Georgia, uh, you know, a little bit of a slower start than we expect. Mm-hmm. LSU did have a you know definitive win, but I think. The common thread for me is quarterbacking. Bingo. Especially mm-hmm. at those, especially at Georgia, um, at, at Tennessee, you know, places where their big time quarterback has moved on. And we just assume that the next guy moving in is going to pick up where they left off. And that hasn't been the case early on. Now we're only three weeks in. Yep. To get, you know, rectified. But is Joe Milton the answer at Tennessee? We don't know who the answer is at Alabama yet. They've gone through three quarterbacks in three weeks. Yeah. Up and they're back with uh, Georgia. So, it, you know, it's still much is to be decided. But I think for me, that seems to be the noticeable thread right now is you you don't always just plug and play. And it but seems the, the interesting thing about Georgia is that, you know, you've got Carson Beck, but you've got a couple of other guys on, behind him who yep. are also five stars coming out of high school. So what are you going to do with those guys? Are And if he's the best that Kirby can put on the field right now, what does that say about the rest of those guys? I, I still think they don't have a marquee receiver yet. Uh, I'm not sure. Well, they still got that tight end, um, um, right, that, that say, big 6 sure or 7 it's... tight end. <laughs> but I'm they not still sure have Bowers, but you're oh, you're talking about the outside, yeah. Well, I'm not sure Bowers has got Bowers is like uh, uh, Travis Kelsey. Oh, he's definitely that. He's a game changer. He's that valuable to to their pass. He's one of the. I mean, Mark could probably agree with me on this that if Bowers has eight or more catches, he's going to wreck a defense no matter where you line him up, even if it's on the outside of the receiver. He can wreck. He can wreck your defense. I totally would agree. He's it's that's an amazing find by Georgia from the other side of the country. I didn't know they grew football players in Napa, California. I thought they <laughs> but that was uh, yeah, that was impressive. But that, you know, to me, that's part of uh, the charm for this year is nobody's running away with it. You know, early, right. Nobody, you know, and look until Georgia loses, um, they're still the king of the hill doesn't perform as well. I mean, can you know, look, Jim Harbaugh is going to come back this week. So do we throw 
the first three Michigan games out? Or do we say, hey, there's a little bit of a struggle there. And is Texas really Texas? And we saw we're going to find that out real quick. Yeah, we saw that's my fear that my horns are too high too early. (laughs) But the the one thing I wonder, though, is Oklahoma State took a bad loss over the weekend against South Alabama. That's just mm, where I mean, that's not Gundy like. No, it's not. And I wonder I wonder if he if he's starting to hear some grousing in Stillwater. All I know is I was in Gainesville and there was a little bit of grousing going into the game about Billy Napier. You know, is he the man for the job? And, you know, look, win or lose, uh, my, uh, you know, our production meeting, our thoughts were, how come guys don't get time anymore? This doesn't, you know, afford to Mike Gundy. He's been there forever. Exactly. in In general, you know, do you get three or four years? Like even Mike Norvell at Florida State, this is year four. Like if you only get him, you know, he's going and packing. And and now we're seeing that come to, you know, it's starting to flower now in uh, Tallahassee. So I think, um, you know, that that was part of our discussion too, is do you let it germinate a little bit in some of these places? And that was a big win for Florida. And maybe now they get off his back for a little bit. Speaking of germinate. Let's talk about another school that's basically in flux a little bit. Mel Tucker in Michigan State. Where did they go from here? Because the, right now they are living in a living hell at in, uh, East Lansing right now with the allegate with the uh, story that came out that Mel Tucker and a rape survivor and so on and so on. It's a mess down there. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's just an awful story. And the latest I've heard within the last hour as we record this is they have gone ahead to university and have begun to put the uh, paperwork in uh, for the process of firing Mel Tucker. Yeah. So, yeah. wow. That was going to be the eventuality anyway. Yeah. You know, yeah. The inevitable was going to happen. But it's it just, I, look, Ian Fitzsimmons, who is on our crew, you know, he knows both Mel Tucker. And also the woman who has, you know, Brenda Tracy, who oh, wow. a sexual assault awareness speaker. I mean, just oh, the that this story could happen and the details that have come out. It's just, it's disturbing. Mind- it's unfortunate. And um, it's beyond even the football, obviously. Of, it's you know, disturbing. It's real life stuff. Yeah, it really is. And it's, uh, it's unfortunate, especially at that university, as we know. Yeah. And Mark and Mark D'Antonio came back to be an advisor at Michigan State, and then they hired an interim guy. But I don't know if he's going to get the job or not. So yeah, they, they, and they, ooh, they got they got basically ripped off their own field on Saturday against Washington, who's quietly with Kate DeBoer, Coach uh, DeBoer over there, quietly handling that business. Yep. And then you then you have a, a coach who's not so quiet after all. Who, uh, who, who who's primed for for uh, greatness for a letdown or, or something? I mean, well, I, look, they, look, we'll fi- we'll find out where Colorado is in the next two weeks because now we get to see what they look like against real competition. That's the I, way I look at it. I, I think you're right, and I, I kind, of, kind of the same thing with Michigan too. Those first three games, eh, throwaways. But you know, but, but, we'll, but we'll, we'll find Mich- Michigan, we know, is a top five school. I mean, yeah, that's that's but we'll, but we'll see what they look like when we get to conference because now we start to play the games for keeps. Well, well, let me say this though it, 
in 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 their their scheme or the or the the way I look at it is where's the defense? Where is the That's defense? what that's the question I was just thinking. That's my concern with Colorado. Play, I think they can play defense. I'm talking about Colorado. Yeah. They can score points. <laughs> but can I they stop somebody? I think they can score points, but can they stop? Bingo. Can they stop somebody? Mark? But Mark, Mark, I, I, can, I, 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 you were talking about giving uh, coaches five years or whatever the matter is, three years. And right. then a, a, a person like Prime who comes in, de- demolishes the team. Only three people are on the team from last year. And right now is doing really, really well. I, mean, I don't think he's I think it was like I think it was like eight, what was it, 65 players that got taken off the roster? And so what, what, what do you make or? of what do you make of Prime's uh, or Dion's uh, season so far? Remarkable. I I got back to the hotel Saturday night, <laughs> and um, I went to lay down to watch the second half. That's always a mistake. I had yeah. to really, <laughs> and I woke up uh, just in time. Ball on the two yard line, ninety eight yard drive, down eight to tie it, and. You know, I thought, wouldn't it be uh, amazing for this, you know, all this bluster and blather and all the coverage that, you know, my network gave it and every other network gave it, um, that Colorado State would win this game. Um, and and here comes Colorado and they do it again. It's a great story. It's great for college football. Um, I think Deion Sanders has proved, maybe not to everybody, but he is actually a pretty good coach yeah. and not going to get the credit. Because of all everything else that goes on, you know, and that we're going not... back to the Big Twelve next year after this year, so I mean, it'll knows? be interesting to see where they land there. But I think your point is well taken. They gave up forty-two to TCU. Um, they came within an eyelash of you know losing to Colorado State, who they had yeah. no, you know, uh, they're they're a much better team than Colorado State if you look at mm-hmm. it. Apples to oranges. So I think Oregon and USC the next two weeks will be the big answer. And what does it mean? You know, for both games, um, you know, look, there'll be people who will be happy about it. There will be others, you know, that will just say, hey, they just weren't as good. But regardless of where they are right now, at least for me watching it, it I, I wish I could be at Oregon to do that game this week because it's <laughs> a lot of fun. You know, does it go across the line at times? Yes, we saw that last week. Yeah. Um, I did watch the 60 Minutes piece on CBS over the <laughs> And uh, it just, you know, it just added to another level of, you know, the guy is is very smart. You know, whether you don't like um, how he handles it or all the showmanship, it's more than just bluster. There's definitely um, some thought behind it as well. Where do you think this so conference you, realignment what his, goes? What did you think of his 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 approach to to the players and and how how he he resolved it? And he told them, you know, you guys, if you don't want to play, you got to go. And then his 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 comeback was, if they if they took him up on leaving, yeah. they didn't really they didn't believe in themselves. Yeah, I, you know the portal is a whole nother separate issue that I struggle with. And then mm-hmm. on top of that, to basically say, as you know, he apparently did, like, yeah, we're you you might want to hit the portal. And I hadn't thought of that angle until I saw it in the sixty minutes piece that you know. Basically, the interviewer had said, so they would have been better off to challenge him and say, I'm not going in the portal. And he's like, you know what? I had more respect for you for that. Um, Right. 
Yeah, no, that was a great angle that I hadn't even really considered because I did find it a little bit unseemly just reading it from the outside, not understanding anything that was going on in the program. You know, that you know, so many people were basically said, Yeah, you're not good enough to play here. And uh, a lot and a lot of those kids that came with him were from Jackson, from an HBCU. A lot of those kids transferred from Jackson State yeah. to go to Colorado. Well, and he saw- did the same thing at Jackson State where yeah. he had to get rid of a lot of kids. And, and we saw a movement, if you will, quote unquote, of, you know, four and five star players yeah. that were getting to HBCUs, which we had not seen in a mm-hmm. long time. And well, now we're, we're pretty, you know, well, in the Big 12 with Dion, they went with him from Jackson State. So it's, it's, um, boy, what a wild, wild west time in college football between NIL, between transfer portal, conference uh, realignment. Conference realignment, as you put where do you it. think that where do you think that part of it ends? Like where, like where do you see conference realignment like ending? Because we now know that Stanford, Cal, and SMU are going to the ACC. Mm. Like I, I think I think we can officially say geography is dead. Yeah, it is. When my uh, my friend Troy Clardy, who just became the voice of the Stanford Cardinal, ah yes, I, I listened to his broadcast Troy, a few weeks ago. I told him to enjoy, you know, um, <laughs> uh, some you know dinosaur barbecue on a cold February night. <laughs> like, I don't quite understand how that works, but uh, this is this is the reality. It's unfortunate because look, I'm a dinosaur. I'm in my mid fifties. Uh, there's dinosaurs older than me that are, you know, you just like me. It's, it's, <laughs> it's this is this is college sports was about tradition, was about rivalries. And look, mm-hmm. you know, I've seen the Big East, you know, was a 1980 invention. It's not like it's been around as long as, the yeah, Packers, exactly. You know, going back, you know, 100 plus years, but still, you saw the Big East change in the last 15 to 20 years, and you accept it. And wow, Creighton is going to be the Big East champs. Okay, I, I understand that. Creighton's in the, you know, if you said that to me in 1995, I don't even know where Creighton is. But the point being, I think Luther is, I never thought that all the, I don't want to call them doomsdayers, but they sounded the alarm 15 years ago and they said there were going to be two super conferences. And I'm like, no, that's not going to happen. Come on. I mean, they're not going to separate some of the great rivalries, you know, on the West Coast. And that's exactly what's happening. And that appears to be where we're going, you know, whether it's two or four or, um, you know, the the Premier League uh, version of college football where you've got, you know, the halves and then the level just below it and uh, their their own television agreement. I mean, it seems abundantly clear that eventually that's where we're heading because I don't even know if college football is going to be part of the university structure. You know, mm-hmm. it might be this onto itself, you know, with uh, ties to schools, obviously, but not in the way the other um, Olympic sports are. So as much as I thought we'd never see that, uh, it's happening a lot faster than I realized. And it's probably where the end game is going to be at some point when I don't know. I would like to bring Gentlemen, the- we do We do have a... um. Raised hand it whenever you, look, look, you read look, my look. mind, Desi. <gasps> wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. We have actually we have a couple now, but the first one is area code six two six ending in three eight eight. Mitch. Yep. Mitch. Mitch is here. Um, first of all, Peter, uh, congratulations on moving to the left coast. <laughs> but <clears throat> Mark, you uh, 
you echoed some of my feelings. Uh, for starters, I'm a diehard USC alumnus and fan, and it's ironic that the year that the Pac-12 uh, probably has the most representative group of teams we've had, maybe even going back to when I was at USC in the early 70s, that the conference is, uh, is, is disappearing. Uh, and I think it's kind of sad. I think that uh, it's, it's not good for college football. I think the transfer portal, even though it's benefited Lincoln Riley and USC, I think between the transfer portal and name, image, and likeness, it's, it's destroying college football. What we're going to see in the next decade, and it's already beginning, is you will see haves and have-nots. USC, uh, Texas, uh, Alabama, um, those schools will always be able to attract uh, the five-star athletes because uh, they have the, the means to do that. But schools like Cal and Stanford and, and uh, you know, Kansas and you know, some of those schools, they're just not going to be able to compete. And it really does mean, I think, the death knell of uh, of college football, as, uh, as as I remember it. I'm 73, so you know I'm older than you, Mark, by by quite a bit. Um, the other the other comment I'd like to to uh, have you respond to is uh, Brandon Staley once again is under oh. fire uh, out here, deservedly so. And I heard a story this morning that uh, perhaps Jim Harbaugh has about had it with uh, with college football and with college coaching. And uh, someone, uh, one of the sports talk folks this morning, commented that gee, maybe uh, maybe uh, the Charger front office uh, should contact Harbaugh and uh, at least find out if he might be interested in uh, in getting the heck out of uh, Ann Arbor. So I was wondering if you'd heard anything about that uh, and, uh, you know, go from there. Well, first of all, thanks for the question. I pride myself in knowing all the area codes. I think 626 is somewhere in the L.A. area. I'm better with the traditional area. Code that is number. correct. I, I, I'm about uh, I'm about uh, three miles from the Rose Bowl. Oh, perfect. Well, we are uh, we I actually get to call a game at the Rose Bowl the Rose Bowl game actually last year. And uh, that was quite a thrill. And we're going to be at USC at least once, if not twice uh, in the month of October. So I look forward to that. And we will be in Minnesota in a few weeks where Michigan will be. And that'll be my first chance to get in there and kind of get a good look and see what's going on. I, I did find it interesting. This is all like kind of inside radio. I was um, in Ann Arbor last year and I know, you know, the Harbaugh's, kind of run uh, the University of Michigan football program right now, multiple Harbaugh's. And uh, you guys know RF coordination. You have uh, somebody on a wireless like our Ian Fitzsimmons is. When you walk into the building, um, you have to see the RF coordinator to make sure that you're not um, you know, using the same frequency as somebody else. Otherwise, the wireless doesn't sound so good. So anyway, it's a long way to say the RF coordinator at the University of Michigan had a last name of Harbaugh. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, I was like, that has to be related, right? Nobody had an answer for me. But it's an even longer way to say that, does he want to leave um, 
it to me it feels like yes you know uh you know did he win a national title at Michigan no but did he put them on the map did he get them to the uh the uh the playoff the 14 playoff yes did he get them back in superiority over Ohio State for the last few years yes uh the job may not be done but maybe it's as far as he can go um you know seeing where the SEC has dominated all the championship games of late so maybe he does want to go back to the NFL but I'm I'm fascinated to see if, if he goes that route again my understanding is you know his contract is through I think 25 or 26 and you know all things can be bought out we know contracts don't mean much anymore when you know James Harden is still uh slinging in the wind and <laughs> other NBA stars can be traded with uh you know 40 million dollar deals but Mark, go ahead go ahead I was just going to say, with with regards to Harbaugh, every year we have this conversation that he wants to leave. You know this. You know that he wants to go this pro team or that pro team. It never happens, and maybe this year will be it. But you know, wake me up when it actually happens. Is the way I look at something like this. Exactly. By by the way, uh, for for you, Bob, um, I heard another piece this morning that uh, that Theo Epstein is not a candidate for. for the Boston GM job, I don't know whether that's good, whether you think that's a good idea or a good thing or or not. Many of us in these parts want Theo back, but Theo has come a long way since he was GM for the Red Sox. He's been in an executive position with MLB. I don't think he'd want to come back. Well, apparently they don't want him back, so you don't have to uh, to worry about that. But uh, you know, it's it's. You know, getting back to college football, uh, my perfect college football season, and 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 we're hoping that uh, Lincoln Riley uh, is finally getting uh, uh, Alex Grinch to uh, to uh, get a little defense uh, on on that side of the ball. But my my perfect football year uh, would be for uh, USC to take Texas down in the playoffs and then go into Georgia and do the same thing. Because my son-in-law is a crazy Georgia fan, so uh, by the way, congratulations, Michael, on taking down Alabama a couple of weeks ago. I, I meant to call you and congratulate you, and I didn't get the chance. But uh, happy, happy day, happy day. That's that's right. Anytime, anytime, uh, Nick Saban can get his comeuppance is a good uh, college football Saturday. And Michael, I also want to congratulate you. You have one of the best teams in pro football right now. Yeah. Dallas. Yeah. Yeah, unbelievable their offense. So I'll let, I'll let you guys move on. Take uh, take other calls, but uh, but uh, everybody take care. Thank there you, Mitch. Desi. All right. Next we have Diane. Hi, Diane. Oh, your team won yesterday. Okay. Do you, um, can y'all hear me? Yes. Okay, great. First of all, I agree about Alabama and, um, you know, Nick Saban coached at Michigan State once and and they're still, there's a lot of people, including my husband, I think, that are still upset about what he did there. So, um, you know, just leaving and everything, but, you know, I guess that was his choice. Um, Well, I want to talk about how us fans seem to be so fickle um, you know, last week, everyone was down on the bills, you know, for losing to the Jets and everyone was up on the Lions for beating Kansas City. And now this week, 
it's all switched around again because the Lions lost to Seattle in overtime. So now everybody's talking. They have an expression around here, SOL, which stands for same old Lions. And everyone was talking about that again too early today. Yet. Yeah, it is too early. So, um, so I, yeah, I was I was happy that the Bills won yes, uh, yesterday, but um, I I still wonder, you know, how they're going to be when they face better competition, better defenses, and what. Hopefully, they will, you know, get their act together. I guess Josh Allen did a lot better yesterday. Um, so they they played a lousy team though. Well, yeah, they, they did. They, they finally got their run game involved, too. And I think for the Bills, this is just from where I sit, if they're going to get to where they want to go, they have to be able, they must, it is mandatory that they get the running game more involved. Yes. Not trying to not trying to disclude Josh Allen's ability to run, but you need to take stuff off his plate. It can't mm-hmm. just be... Allen and Diggs, Stefan. It can't just be Allen, Diggs, and nobody else. If the right. Bills want to get to where they want to go, James Cook and the other backs must be more involved. And everybody, everybody that I listen to is um, is suggesting that. So hopefully, they will um, keep that up. And of course, it will. It would make it easier for them to be effective because then, you know, maybe if, if they get every, everything on an equal footing, it wouldn't matter. Uh, it, I mean, if they get everything on an, uh, on an equal footing, then the defenses aren't going to know what to do. So, and it yeah. gives your, and it gives your defense a chance to rest too, because their defense has been put on the field way too long. Yes. Yes. That division is really tough. Tough. No I mean, even, I mean, even even New England knows how to play. I mean, you know, and New, New England was, is better. Was, yeah, they I were in with those losses. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, was, I was somewhat impressed with with the way uh, Jones played. Uh, you know, he, he he moved them down the field. So, and they always play solid defense. But the only so thing whole, that that whole division is, is tough, especially the only thing the, that really concerns me with Mac Jones and them boys. That offensive line is atrocious. Horrible. This, I, that I, offensive line, they, they need some more line help, and they need to go get a number one receiver. Michael, with, with the respect to the AFC East, that yeah, might have been the case that it was strong until a certain quarterback got hurt on the fourth play. Oh. and, and That's now, why the Jets and, are going to be fourth. That's why they're going to be sitting dead last. Patri- yeah, oh, instead yeah. of the mm-hmm. Patriots, I'm switching. The Jets, I, look, no, I, here, I think that's here, right. here's the thing. I, I was listening to that game yesterday. My God, like Nathaniel Hackett, good God, can you get give the kid something to work with? Give him a running game. Don't have him sit back there and have him scramble for his life back there. It was embarrassing. Well, you got, th- the two, you got two of the best running backs in the. In the- Delvin Cook and Bree. Delvin Cook. Oh, and absolutely. Hall. Boom. Yeah. Why aren't you doing that more? Why? Well, they, I, were, you know, they were held to. Ten points. It was it was ridiculous. Well, I, I don't know. I think, in, in fair in fairness, it's sort of like, hard. It's, Dallas clearly is a really good defense, maybe the best defense in football this year, with, with the yeah. exception of the 49ers. Yeah, I, I don't know. So, San, San Fran, so, San Fran looks good. So do the Jets. The Jets have a very good defense. 
Right. But, but, when but, but when your offense when your offense can only manage ten points and you're stuck on the field for like over half the game, yeah, well, it don't but, look but, that good. Mark, what do you make of all this? Well, I, I think um, you talk about quarterbacks running for their lives. Uh, we knew the Jets' offensive line was going to be a right. good problem anyway. Uh, but the good news for the Patriots, yes, they they could have won. They could have beat the Eagles. Uh, they could have beat the Dolphins. That was uh, a heck of a video overturn last night on the uh, tight end flip to the line. I thought he got it. I mean, I, I thought he had gotten it. Uh, but Mark, they're so. playing the Jets next week, so that's guaranteed win day for the Patriots next week. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm, happy. I'm happy for Tua. There was a time last year we all thought his career might be done with all right. the concussions. I, um, he looks he looks terrific. I love what they're doing with the I love what they're doing, but the only thing I just wish they would do more is just call more of those illegal motions because they're moving forward way before the snap. It looks like arena football a little bit. No, it looks more like somebody as Zoe put it, it looks like Canadian football. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Um, yeah, I was uh, again, it's now that I'm doing these Saturday night games, I'm not as dialed in to the early Sunday games because I'm traveling, but I'm always either watching on the airplane or I'm listening on the airplane or I'm listening on my car ride to my house before I get to plop myself down and watch the the four o'clock games and the late games. Uh, Cincinnati has stumped me a little bit. I know. That- yeah, that was a little bit perplexing oh. myself. I mean, Owen, yeah. too. Completely healthy. I, I didn't even see that coming. I thought they would at least be one and one after week one, but Owen oh two in your own in the division. Yeah. Lost to Cleveland and lost to Baltimore. Yeah. I still I'm still not sure about Cleveland, but we'll find more about we'll find out more about them in the second Monday night game tonight, though. I I I, I Pittsburgh does this may be the year the first year in a long time Pittsburgh might Pittsburgh might really be one of the worst a bad teams. team. Yeah, I don't think you can measure Cleveland yet. They did beat Cincinnati. That was impressive. Oh, that I mean, twenty-four to three. I mean, as, as somebody eloquently put it, Week One is an outlier. I mean, it's I I just don't know how to put it because Week One you just don't know what you're going to get. Yeah. Week it's Two, Kansas City. And yeah, don't, don't underestimate how much uh, the the regional rivalries and guys that hate other teams. Cleveland loves nothing better than beat Cincinnati. Beat the snot out of Cincinnati. Nothing better than to win in Pittsburgh tonight. Oh, well, wouldn't, it, wouldn't it, that be well, something? The key, the key is what you said earlier, Mark, and that's the quarterbacking. If if uh, Pittsburgh can develop the quarterback, they may have a chance. They're mm-hmm. the the biggest the biggest part of the development for the Steelers for me is their quarterback's going to be fine. The problem is they got two problems: their offensive line is atrocious, and their run game's got to get better. Because there's no excuse for only having less than 30 yards rushing. Well, you mentioned you have to play balanced football. <laughs> 49ers shut them down. Yeah, they sure did. Happy not to see, uh, you know, uh, uh, anybody associated with that defense tonight. Are the, four, are the 49ers the, maybe the best team in the NFC with the exception of maybe the Eagles, in your opinion? I know it's early. You say 49ers? But is seeing Fran the cream of the NFC crop right now? That's a good question. I think, again, like you said, it's early. Like, I'd love to say Dallas based on what I've seen, but they played the Jets and the Giants. So Yeah, that, that you really don't know what they're made of yet. And it's it makes sense, you know, from what I'm seeing, that this will extrapolate to other teams. But then I have to say it was the yeah. Giants and the Jets. Yeah, well, and, 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 and look, at, look at what the Giants did against the Cardinals, down 20 and outscoring them 31-8 to eight in the second half. My basic reaction is who cares? 
And the Thank reason I, I say that is be, <laughs> is because the Giants were the Giants just aren't that good, you know. Uh, and and the Cardinals, the general sense the is Cardinals the, are just the, back. the Cardinals will want to tank the season. I mean, that's what everybody seems to be saying. You know, so realize, hey, we, we we have to lose this game if we want to get. Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, well the thing is, is there a chance that they could probably, or they'd have to trade Kyler Murray to get that pick and maybe get the number one pick and maybe trade Kyler Murray somewhere else with that big contract that they gave him? They just boxed themselves in so yeah. badly. They yeah, did. they have. They did. Mark, my my take and uh, and the same thing applies to you, Mike. With the Cowboys, is I I seem to recall that that Dallas played pretty well the first half of last season, um, and then they it was the second half of the year when they began to fall into their old ways and lots Whoa. of penalties and lots of you know uh, iffy coaching. So I you know my sense is speaking of coaching, I'm glad you brought that up. I I found out a stat today. And it's for the LA Charger fans, it's not good for you. Your head coach is now two games over 500. In the Super Bowl era, they are now the only team to have lost 13 one score games and scoring 58 points, no turnovers, and yet you're 0 and 2. And you've only been, and you've been outscored by a total of 61 to 58 in your first three games. And you've been, and you lose by a total of five points. I, I don't get why Staley's still around. I, I, I don't either. I, I, we say this every year. <laughs> every uh, year. Uh, Mark, do you have any theories about Staley? Why he's still there? I don't, except watching his press conference yesterday. <laughs> it seems like unraveling <laughs> at the seams. It's really sad. It's, it's, it's just, pathetically sad. It's really, really sad. Once you start I, I, taking on members of the media, it's just it's deflection, 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 and uh, it feels like if that doesn't turn around, it's not going to be good for him. You know, by midseason. I yeah, that's what I was kind of thinking. We're we're we could, I, I think if if they if they haven't turned it around by week eight, there could be a change. And speaking of teams needing to turn it around, so 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 so, so before you go on that, uh, Luther, so. Is how much is it of Staley, or is Justin Herbert the quarterback that we think he should be? Good question. You know, it always looks awful <laughs> when you're zero and two, and yeah. you just mentioned how you know all the one score games that they're losing. It, it, you almost rather. I always used to say, I'd rather lose by a hundred than to lose by one. You know, now uh, that's probably not true in real life, but from a mental aspect, it's easier to deal with. And I think from a fan perspective, you know, you lose games, you feel like you should win and you just start to question, you know, everything that went on, uh, you know, during during the game and during the season. But, um, you know, winning cures all. Everything smells better when you win and everything couldn't be more worse than you than when you lose. So it's easy to point fingers you know, is it coach, is it player, is it performance? I mean, these guys have done it before. So you question, why can't they do it again? What's, you know, what's been the difference? So I, I think it's two games. Like you said, you reevaluate it midpoint, midseason. And for all I know, management is committed to him regardless, you know, throughout the rest of the year. But I think when you do see, you know, the head coach snap a little bit, um, 
you know, that's like the first sign of you're like, all right, what's going on in other aspects of the organization and where are the pressures? Are these real? Or is it just, you know, 10 minutes after a game ends and you get a question you don't like? So I don't have a good answer for the actual X and O, um, you know, versus player. But I do know it was a bad look yesterday. But it, like, uh, the, it, like always, it always seems to be a bad look. That's the thing with the Chargers. Yeah, you it know, does. They they always seem to find ways to lose close games, and and I think that's a coaching issue. And you know, and look at look at look at the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, they've they've hung in with their two opponents that they've had, but they've lost both their games. And we said coming into the season, all those one score games that you know that they were winning last year, it's turning on them. They're not you know finishing those games. Too many turnovers in the first two games. They're minus five in Actually, turnovers. I, I thought the Vikings played well against the Eagles. I mean, they lost. Yeah, they played well wrong. against the Eagles, but they turned they the ball over. They did, but you know I, I, the Vikings and they were over too, right? So if Troy if Troy were here, he just left. But I would have asked him the question: Would you, it, it, as a Vikings fan, would you have considered maybe trading Kirk Cousins to the Jets and starting over and go finding a franchise guy to see if Jared Hall could be the guy? Because I'm almost wondering if we're at that point now where the Vikings fans just need new. Mark, I don't know. I don't thoughts? know. Desi, do we have any more hands raised? We do not presently. We did have Troy Larson, but he seems to have left. So yeah, he, okay. he, just interrupt us when you see a hand. Okay. I wish, we, we don't I wish, mind. Okay. Yeah, Very really. good. I wish. I wish Joe would hear because I, oh. I think, I think <laughs> Philly, ha- Philly has a couple of injuries on the well, they, they do, but I think right now their biggest thing they got to figure out is how to get back to balance because on Thursday night, they kind of looked disheveled against the Vikings because it's like they were trying to throw, 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 and then they finally just pivot and just basically said, you know, we're just going to run the football and just basically shove it up the Vikings' noise hole, and they go and like it. And I, my sense is until Philadelphia, you know, slips, I think we got to give them the benefit of the doubt. For now. For now. Yeah. yeah but with, with, the, with their two it, coordinators. It's a, it's a long season. Yeah, with their, with their two new coordinators, I think probably by the week, you know, five, six, you'll probably have an idea of where this team is. Oh, and Peter. Yeah. Your commanders. The commanders. <laughs> commanders. The commanders are 2 0. Well, the, uh, Mark, are you still, are you still here? No, he's I'm still, still here. with you guys. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, th- th- my sense about the commanders is they, they played two fairly lousy teams. At yes. Denver. Uh, I, I thought Denver might be better than they are, but they clearly are not. Uh, and one, uh, one, one big position that they still have a problem with yeah, well, 30 plus billion dollar quarterback. Yeah, well, that's probably true. Uh-oh. Come on now. Well, they got the Bills next week. Oh, they're gonna get murdered. <laughs> they got the Bills and Eagles, I think, back to back weeks. Oh, they oh, they're gonna get squashed. It's a man. You're probably right, but I, I don't know what to make of the Bills. I well, really, I mean, look at look at who they were playing yesterday. They they're they're, they're playing they're playing a lousy and, team, and then and then and then they lose to the Jets. I mean, that's you know, well, you Russell know why was. they lost that game, right? Well, it's the reason they four lose turn, four teams, four yeah. turnovers with their quarterback. But but you know, they're they're known for this. That's the problem with Will. Oh, uh, with of course, the quarterback. So, uh, but here, I, here's a bigger question: 
at what point do we start seeing these like bills like chargers like just pick a team that oh if things go right they can get here baltimore yeah like how long do we say that they are a super bowl contender until they're not i don't know uh but you know i I think this has been said more than once, but the idea that the first we're still in preseason mode for the NFL, even though the season started two weeks ago. Yes. People are still trying to figure out, you know, who their best players are and how best. Yeah. How, how they can run their it, offense with it, the personnel it, that they got. The first the four games are sort of preseason games. And then it, then it really begins to take off. All I know is the Falcons and the Bucks are both two and oh, so I don't oh, know. Yep. <laughs> And and the and the commanders. I mean, come on. And the commanders are two and zero. Dallas is two and zero. Well, Giants I, are one and one. I I think Dallas has potential of being really really good if they can Miami if they can play mistake free. Yeah. Dolphins. B. John Robinson at at, at Atlanta. B. John. Great. B. John Robinson special. Yeah. Yeah. I mean special. Almost two hundred yards of of uh, and and I th- I think that's the way that Atlanta is going to have to play because I don't I don't I'm not sure if Desmond Ritter is a real true passer yet. I mean I I think he can still he can do some scrambling, but his throws against Green Bay's defense were just they left a lot to be desired. They were long. Mark, we have a few minutes. We have a few more minutes, Mark, and I just wanted to get your take on the landscape or the potential landscape of the baseball playoffs. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to that. Um, oh, that should be fun. It's interesting because um, obviously Yankees, Red Sox won't be a part of it. So that's our, won't either. In, in some of our part of the country, you know, <laughs> you see the Orioles clinching last night. Um, hey. You know, the Rays have had their issues throughout the season with injuries, and they're still going to, you know, approach mid-90s uh, in the wins. Uh, the the AL West has been fascinating for over a month now. Astros in first. Texas right behind them. You know, Seattle had a hot stretch, and now they've disappeared again. Uh, the Braves have been terrific. Their lineup is unbelievable. Oh, I mean, the, the only question I have for the Braves is their pitching. What yeah. are they going to get there? You do have a hand raised. All right, yeah. Diane. I mean, Desi, go right there. <laughs> That's okay. We're both Ds. It's good. Go ahead. Go Diane's ahead. my friend. Um, it's Gene Johnson. Hey. Oh. Oh, I remember. I know Gene. I think, I think Hi, I Gene. Her. You can unmute. You can unmute. There we go. How are we? You guys hear me? Yes, yeah. sir. I can hear you. Gotcha. Okay. You? So first off, Goodbye to Heimbloom. Um, <laughs> Bye. So, secondly, um, like, see ya. What you got? Real quickly, just to bring this up, um, I know the last two games of the Patriots games, obviously, you know, turnovers in the last, what, five minutes of the play. I, I honestly have to say that really the Patriots haven't been trying hard enough, in my opinion. Um, because they wouldn't be in that position to begin with if they just honestly score points at in the first part of the game anyway. Well, the f- the first drive they were moving the ball nicely, and then the the they get halfway the down the field and beat. yeah, and then they get halfway down the field and then somehow they just honestly can't, you know, get exactly. more down anyway. So yeah, it's it's the offensive line there that has the problem. It, j- it just feels like that if they can just get 
a run game with Stevenson and Elliott. Yeah. Get the tight ends more involved and get and figure out where your receivers fit. But I, I am going to bring up something really controversial. And, and maybe this is just me, honestly, because I'm seeing a lot of, you know, ads for this. Okay. One minute to go, Gene. Got a minute. All right. Real quick. So the Patriots, so FanDuel and, and DraftKings and all the other gambling things. Do you guys really honestly think that some of the referees might have a hand in how the game turns out? Especially Perhaps. the oh, oh, I think I know where you're going. You're going with Tim Donaghy, uh basketball scandal and mark remembers that well i do too and i do as well i hope not i always say that whenever that's brought up i hope not because that's the one thing we need right is it has to be another one (laughs) i think all the officials now fly first class like nobody's trading in tickets to get extra money like they should be taken care well enough that that's not an issue but i mean we can speculate. I just hate to go there because that's when it all comes. I, I hate to go there too, but I, but I keep listening to a podcast like, oh, it's hard for games to get fixed. No, it's not. If, you, if you've got, I mean, I know we're running out of time here. We are. We've got about if, 10 seconds. If you have a crooked guy that they know that they can get inside info on the points and, you know, point shaving and yada, 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 then yeah, games can be fixed. Yeah. Yeah. It's we'll not pick that hard this up. to do. Yeah, and we'll pick this up next week because we With do Randy have Lee. to run. Gene, thank you very much for thank your you. contribution. We would like to have you call us back. Like everybody else that was on here thank today and others, thank, thank you, you for what you do to contribute to our program. Thanks, panelists, and especially thank you Mark, thanks to for Mark Kestacher. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for <laughs> taking the time to be with us again, and you did a great job like you did the first time. And you saved us the full hour. <laughs> again. <laughs> Take care. And also to uh, Desi, thank you so much. Brad, thanks, Desi. Thanks, else. Brad. Go safe with God's abundant blessings. Have a great week, everybody. See you next week.